Ahoy, ahoy. How you living? Welcome in Nitty Gritty Committee. I'm Tyrell McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at TNFF Tyrell. Follow my PIC at TSEAL14. And you can find all mine and Travis's work at TrueNorthFFB.com. This is our season preview series. We've filtered and distilled all the drops off the tea leaves through the offseason, and now we've seen some usage and performances from the first-team offenses through preseason. We're almost ready to go as our fantasy drafts kick off here. And when we watch preseason, we know which coaches disguise usage and those who use preseason games to incorporate new players into their offense. And with the constant churn among all play callers and coaches in the NFL right now, so we'll make sure we hit the changes we've seen and what we see coming for 2019. And what we're going to do with all these preseason previews is we're going to dish available work in the offense. That's vacated targets and rushing attempts gone from last season. And with that comes red zone work as well. Who says we can't chase touchdowns, right? And some teams see drastic change coming through the offseason. And that can alter the volume available or even make those numbers look like something they ain't. Also, new faces. We'll be touching on teams' drafts and free agency but most importantly, the fantasy impact of new coaching and play calling. We're also going to include a little preseason primer here. We'll be breaking down first team offenses, answering nagging questions, and we'll be doing that by hitting a variety of things from snap percentages, formations, and position battles to usage on third downs and in the red zone. And to close out, I'll run down the team by position for fantasy, and with that we can do some projections, rankings, and look at some ADPs. And let's cap it off with a quick sleeper or deep sleeper and a breakout candidate and maybe an overvalued and undervalued player as well. And sorry, I don't keep good guys waiting, so let's hit it and get it. The Atlanta Falcons. Falc fans. The Atlanta Falcons have backpedaled as of late. We remember their two-headed backfield and historic season with offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. And since being replaced the last two years by Steve Sarkeesian... Falcons head coach Dan Quinn has proved he can't really succeed absent an offensive guru calling plays. Last year, the Falcons were 0-5 against teams with a better record, and they had a league-worst short-down success rate. And that stat's usually reserved for teams with awful quarterback play. Dan Quinn heads into 2019 as not only one of the few defensive coaches left in the NFL, but one of the few on the early season hot seat, in my opinion. But I don't give a hoot about that, right? This is fantasy. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, even Austin Hooper, should be some of our highest-owned players in 2019. And for the Falcons' offense, all signs point to the air. The Falcons play 13 games indoors this season, and they enjoy top 10 easiest strength of schedule versus the pass. And we can expect below-average target share going to the running backs in this offense, too. Head coach Dan Quinn allowed the Falcons to drop near the bottom of the league in the last two years. Atlanta's been alongside Dirk Cutter's offenses in league-low tendencies letting their running backs catch passes. And after his stint in Tampa Bay, Dirk Cutter returns to a familiar group here. He's back in Georgia. He reassumes his post as the Falcons' offensive coordinator. That's a job he held from 2012 through 2014. And with Matt Ryan as his quarterback once again, Dirk Cutter and the Falcons will be extremely pass-heavy. In the three seasons Matty Ice played under Cutter in the past, the Falcons averaged 631 pass attempts. And that made the Falcons a top five pass heaviest team annually. So let's get to some of these noobs, as the kids say. <laughs> the Falcons signed three offensive linemen in free agency. And Atlanta proceeded to spend first round draft capital on their line not once, but twice. I'm not sure the last time a team double dipped in the first round on offensive line. And Atlanta's experiment here kind of remains to be seen. And it seems overvalued as far as immediate impact and what people are saying it will do for this offense in 2019. Offensive linemen, not unlike chemistry and continuity on the line, take time to develop. 
That leaves the Falcons window with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Alex Mack, and Devontae Freeman little room for error and probably puts a cap on overall team success for the Falcons in 2019. And I didn't even mention their defense. (laughs) And when talking new faces, Dirk Cutter's return to play calling deserves a double up. During his previous stint in Atlanta, the top option in the passing game saw an average of 146 targets a year. The second saw an average of 125 targets a year. And the third highest priority saw just under 100 targets a year on average. So it really is wheels up for this offense. And flipping the coin as I get into what's available as far as volume in this Atlanta offense in 2019, the volume that's available is definitely the ground game. Kinda. But heading into 2019, the Falcons have 179 carries available, and that's the seventh most in the NFL. And while this is over 50% of the rushing attempts from 2018 up for grabs, remember Devontae Freeman missed most of the year. And he is healthy heading into 2019. But for me, Freeman's outlook in relation to his health and, you know, body mass index is impossible to predict. But one important note is that last season, the Atlanta Falcons' 351 rushing attempts were 30th in the NFL. And in previous seasons, they've been middle of the pack. Oh, and Atlanta's five goal line carries available won't jump off the page to anybody. But they had so few rushing attempts inside the five-yard line, that equates to 40% of the red zone carries vacated, which is top 10 in the league heading into 2019. And preseason primer time, I'm going to run through what I saw in the preseason when it comes to positions, formations, all that good stuff. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan played more than anybody with his prestige or veteran status should in the preseason. He played 31 snaps in week two of the preseason against the Jets. And head coach Dan Quinn left him in to endure three sacks and more quarterback hits in that game. But assuming Matt Ryan gets the rest he's earned before week one of the regular season, he ends the preseason 19 for 28 with 192 yards through the air. And he looked really, really good considering he was under constant pressure. And it might look bad that he didn't finish a single drive off in the end zone during the preseason, but the Falcons did run touchdowns in from close range. And in the dress rehearsal game three, he started the game seven for seven passing. And moving on to Devontae Freeman, he did suit up against the Jets for the first time and he took one carry on his only six snaps he played. And against the Redskins in the dress rehearsal game, he only played one series in that game as well. It's kind of funny, it's a stark contrast from how they're approaching quarterback. I know the injury risk is different, but the risk versus opposite reward is far greater. Like, I'd rather lose my running back than I would my quarterback. And so Devontae Freeman did get four touches, but made just 11 yards out of it in the preseason. And he did have a play called back on a penalty. That was a nice little nine-yard rush. And his only catch was a pretty exciting one. He was split out wide pre-snap as a wide receiver getting a catch. And Ido Smith, who came into the preseason as a quote-unquote cut candidate, had a better preseason than you may hear. Number one, Judge Ito had the only two touchdowns for the Falcons in weeks two and three of the preseason when the first team offense played. And heading into the season, he solidified his position at number two on the depth chart by converting in back-to-back games at the goal line, and he's also showed more than capable in the passing game. Versus the Jets, he may have had an ugly rushing box score with five carries for 13 yards and the one touchdown, but he moved the chain. Ito had three first downs in that game and the touchdown. And that was the game he really showed his pass-catching prowess. He had three catches for 45 yards, and he had a gorgeous 28-yard wheel route. It was a little teardrop for Matt Ryan. In the showcase game three, he had a mediocre five for 23 and the touchdown, and he caught his only target for nine yards, and he did convert his only goal line rush. He didn't start the game off great, but he also had a really nice 10-yard rush where he turned the quarter, dropped his shoulder, showed some real explosion on the run. And his touchdown was a little misdirection. Ito Smith had a great jump cut mixed in with like kind of a cutback move all in one. And he also stretched and wiggled to reach out for the touchdown. 
but I recognize that Ito Smith's value does depend on high variance, and Ito might be a roster clog if Devontae Freeman is running hot and isn't banged up come week six, for example. And if Devontae Freeman was to be hurt, it's likely a running back by committee forms as they become even more pass-heavy at that point. But Ito Smith's a decent 0RB target for 2019. A lot of the talk circled around the backfield when it came to Brian Hill and Quadre Olson during the preseason. And while I came in kind of on the Brian Hill side, or on the Brian Hill, (laughs) but with usage, capital, and performance, I've changed my mind. And in Game 2 against the Jets, the running back shook up like this. Quadre Olson played a ton of snaps. He had 9 rushes, 45 yards, and no passing work. And he did show really well as a runner in that game. Brian Hill against the Jets had the worst game pretty much that any running back had in the preseason for the Falcons. He went 4 for 12 on the ground with no catches. And Brian Hill dropped his only target and it would have been a touchdown in the end zone. And he also had a pretty bad blown assignment in that game in pass protection leading one of the sacks on Matt Ryan. And Brian Hill in Game 3 against Washington looked fine. He had 4 carries on 7 yards with no passing work. And he did come in ahead of Quadre Olsen. I was surprised about that. And Quadre Olsen played with the backups again on offense. And he put up 42 yards on his 12 carries. And he lost a fumble in that last preseason game there against Washington. So Brian Hill dropped a pass. And Quadre Olsen kind of fumbled his way. Both of these guys to fantasy irrelevance in my opinion. Until, you know, a couple injuries maybe were to happen in front of them on the depth chart. Moving on to the pass catchers, Calvin Ridley was another player who was limited through the preseason. Against the Jets, he saw just six snaps. He did, however, manage two catches on 28 yards, including a nice 27-yard reception. And Mohamed Sanu played 11 snaps against the New York Jets, but didn't get his hands on anything. And in the next game here against Washington, it seems like they made an effort to get him involved, or at least in rhythm headed into the regular season, showing that he may still be a priority in this offense. He had three targets, three catches, and 23 yards against Washington, and even had a red zone target. And he also had a holding penalty on the first snap of the game. (laughs) Having said that, in a small sample size here, it seems the Falcons staff does recognize that Ridley should be playing ahead of Mohamed Sanu in this offense in 2019. And Austin Hooper, my boy. In my opinion, he looked like the player ready to take a big step in this offense. He was also overplayed in the preseason alongside Matt Ryan. And against the Jets, he played just three less snaps than the quarterback with 28 and he had 20 yards on his three catches. And in that game against the Jets, he had a couple tough catches against tight coverage. And Hooper even ran some routes that Tony Gonzalez used to run for Dirk Cutter in his first tenure in Atlanta. But man, Austin Hooper shapes up to be a PPR tight end. I think Matt Ryan is going to heavily use him on third down and in the red zone. And in the game against Washington, both his targets were on third down. And his catch on third down was a great catch, an amazing attempt to stretch for the first down. You know, the two yards doesn't really justify it. So looking at some takeaways from the preseason here, a different backup running back kind of stood out each preseason game. In the Hall of Fame game, it was Brian Hill. Against Miami, it was Quadre Olsen. But as soon as the Jets game came, Ito Smith really, really just solidified his spot as number two on that depth chart. And you know, we saw some interesting things from Dirk Cutter and the new offensive coordinator, especially when it comes to route running and even splitting out wide when it comes to running backs and Devontae Freeman. We saw them fake a punt for a nice little six-yard run. (laughs) But we also saw a lot of problems from the Falcons preseason. They struggled on third down the entire fake season, even the first team. And the game versus the Jets, they left the O-line out there to play almost the entire game. And they've showed protection issues, run blocking issues, and chemistry concerns up front. And against Washington, they had a fourth and one where they lined up to go for it. And they also had a false start. And those are pretty unforgivable come the regular season. And man, man, do they have kicker issues. Uh, Giorgio Tovecchio is supposed to replace Matt Bryant. Could have been a really sneaky guy for your home leagues, you know, to really, really bang out a lot of points at the kicker position. But he's now 4 for 8. He missed another one from 39 in the preseason. 
We also saw a pretty poor two-minute drill from the first-team offense against Washington. They had a throwaway, and Matt Ryan threw a pass that should have been in, you know, really should have been an interception to Lando Collins. But there, you know, he also showed maybe his best throw of the night on a deep shot to Blake that could have been converted maybe in the regular season, like Julio catches that ball probably. And after that Washington game, it's interesting to note that that 0-12 streak is alive in the preseason for the Falcons. <laughs> and when it comes to their defense, they didn't look any better, you know, even with some of the pieces back, especially Sam Darno just lighting them up with no huddle and Darius Geis kind of carving them up and Chris Thompson through the run game. But moving on from the preseason, let's get to what we expect for fantasy this season in 2019 as I go through the positions here. I'll start with Matt Ryan at quarterback. For fantasy drafts, we may want to avoid Matt Ryan, even though I recognize he has top five quarterback season in the high percentile range of outcomes. And that's because I touched on the 13 indoor games. And those are the games Matt Ryan really pads his fantasy stats. 70% of his high scoring games for fantasy were in domes. So top five feels likely, but that's where you'll draft him. And at quarterback this year, there's a six-man tier in drafts before a big drop-off in ADP, so you'll need to take him as the quarterback four, five, or six. And for fun, here's Matt Ryan's quarterback finishes for fantasy back to 2012 here. So note the fluctuations, including finishing top two at the position twice in the last three years. So going backwards, quarterback two, quarterback 15, quarterback two, quarterback 19, quarterback seven, quarterback 15, quarterback seven. And those last three seasons I listed were under returning offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter, so he even showed his inconsistencies in the three years under his guidance. So for fantasy this year, I have Matt Ryan ranked at quarterback four, and he's going quarterback five. Moving on. At running back, Devontae Freeman. So Freeman should produce as a pretty high-end running back if his body can withstand the rigors, but his injury history isn't always captured by games played. He's dealt with concussion issues, knee, groin, and foot issues. And he constantly occupies the injury report, and his size mixed with his usage between the tackles and on the goal line put him at a higher risk for injury. And more importantly, these profile running backs still go in the third rounds of drafts, and there's usually better options on the board. And I do subscribe to be a year early on a player than a year late, and Freeman's a relatively extreme example of that habit. Tevin Coleman walking in free agency though should help Devontae Freeman in the passing game. This year, Devontae Freeman comes in with name brand and pass success. And in fantasy points per game, excluding last season, he's finished running back 13, running back 7, and going back to his running back 1 overall season in 2015. But for some more fun, here's the 6 players who ranked behind him that season in fantasy. Adrian Peterson, Danny Woodhead, D'Angelo Williams, Doug Martin, Lamar Miller, and Matt Forte. And I know, I know, I'm cherry picking hard. But 2015 was a long time ago in fantasy years. And since then, Devontae Freeman's workhorse usage has taken a toll on his frame. He's an old 27. So if my bias hasn't been transparent, uh, Freeman is a fade. Don't inherit that risk at his price in drafts. I also worry about his reliance on touchdowns and his fit in my team building philosophy. So his running back 17 average draft position does bake in some of his risk. If he can be a running back 2 or 3 on your roster, he begins to pick my interest. But I like to draft running back early and hammer wide receivers in the 3rd to 5th rounds. And even players like Marlon Mack, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, and David Montgomery would be running backs I'd prefer going behind Devontae Freeman in ADP. In my projections, Devontae Freeman came out as running back 18 and scoring over 200 plus PPR points, and he also comes with touchdown upside. But the big question is his health. Devontae Freeman's finished the last two seasons on the IR. And behind Freeman is less talked about than it was to begin the offseason. 
And if Freeman was injured, we said it should be a running back by committee that would unfold. Ido Smith, though, could see an increase in his workload with Tevin Coleman's departure. And while he didn't wow anybody last year, he does have the opportunity this year, in my opinion, to totally redeem himself. And the other name to claim for Dynasty is Quadre Olson. The Pitt running back, he's exceeded every expectation through the offseason. He really deserves our Dynasty tax squad considerations at the very least. But his usage, especially in relation to Brian Hills, might be game plan specific when it comes to regular season. And so let's move on to the wide receivers, Julio Jones. If you're going by a yards per route run and other advanced metrics, he probably is the best wide receiver in football. And as for fantasy, I see value with Julio Jones playing for one more big contract this year. And he commonly goes outside of the first round in drafts. And Julio is one of, if not the most probable, to lead the league in receiving yards. He's always top three regardless of the volume he sees. Here's some of Julio Jones' stats. In 2018, Julio Jones ranked number one in targets, number four in receptions, and number one in receiving yards. 2017, he was number seven in targets, number nine in receptions, number two in receiving yards. 2016, he was number 18 in both targets and receptions, yet number two in receiving yards. 2015, he was number one across the board. And in 2014, under Dirk Cutter as offensive coordinator with Atlanta, he was number three in targets, number three in receptions, and number three in receiving yards. So Julio's my wide receiver four, and I have him scoring close to 300 PPR points this season. And on to the number two wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. Ridley will see an increase in his 60% snap share from his rookie season, and I think he's going to see a big uptick in volume as well. What we hope is this can compensate for his league-leading expected touchdown rate he had in 2018. Last year, he converted seven catches inside the 20 for six touchdowns, and almost 60% of his fantasy points came via touchdowns. In weeks 2-4, to four, he scored 6 touchdowns in that 3-week stretch. From that point on, in weeks 5-17, to 17, Calvin Ridley only eclipsed 50 yards 3 times. But his success wasn't a fluke. Calvin Ridley dealt with man and press coverage like a veteran, and his route running was his draft stock bread and butter and he more than lived up to the billing. And Calvin Ridley was 5th of 82 qualified wide receivers in fantasy points per target in 2018, which is really hard to do given the volume he saw. And to tie everything back to this offense heading into 2019, New offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter's wide receiver 2 has averaged 7 targets per game. And 2012 through 2014 with Atlanta, his second passing option averaged 125 targets per season. So Calvin Ridley's sophomore profile and his situation make the Riddler a really strong breakout candidate, despite his high-scoring season in 2018. So for Calvin Ridley, he's going off the board as wide receiver 24 right now. I have him ranked at wide receiver 22. And I project him for just over 200 fantasy points this year. And he's wide receiver 23 in my projection-based rankings. So pretty boring stuff. Let's go to Mohamed Sanu, the forgotten man. He actually led the Falcons last year in snaps at 78% last season. But that number should come down. And they still like Mohamed Sanu in Atlanta. But this offense won't miss a beat if he does become the fifth option in the passing game behind Austin Hooper and the running backs. And on to him, Austin Hooper. I think he looks ready to take the next step. He may be the breakout tight end people aren't recognizing, and he's going behind players like Vance McDonald, who's never stayed healthy and can never be an every-down tight end. And Austin Hooper can be an every-down player. He's played almost every single snap with Matt Ryan in the preseason. And Dirk Cutter has him running creative routes this training camp and preseason, so he could see some better depth of target catches and still remain close to the 70 reception mark he saw last season. And so to put a bow on ATL, we want to heavily target the weapons in this passing game. Given their prices, Austin Hooper and Calvin Ridley make for excellent targets, especially to pair alongside your elite players drafted in the early rounds. 
For best ball, stacking the Falcons is a top priority. And Ido Smith and Quadre Olsen can make a smart pairing for zero running back weirdos. And I want to send off with some old school stuff for this offense in Hotlanta here. My sleeper for the Falcons is Ido Smith or Mohamed Sanu. And my deep sleeper would be Quadre Olsen. My breakout candidate is Calvin Ridley. Mainly just because he is a sophomore player I'm hoping can take an even bigger step. But this might be a hard breakout to live up to considering his 2018 fantasy points. And it may be more of a hashtag real football breakout call. My overvalued player for the Falcons I guess would be Matt Ryan. I do think he can pop this year but he's drafted his quarterback 4-6 to six in all drafts. And I tried to lay out his annual inconsistencies. And for undervalued shocker shocker Austin Hooper at tight end. He broke 70 catches last year and broke out. And he remains an 8th to an 11th round pick. And I recently was able to get him in the 12th round in a Superflex Dynasty. And I think Austin Hooper's PPR upside is tremendous. And he has big touchdown upside in this offense. Last year he had 13 red zone targets, which barely cracked the top 50 in the league. But 10 of those were inside the green zone. That's inside the 10 yard line. And that's where the most touchdowns are scored in football. And his 10 targets in this area was top 10 in the NFL. Not among tight ends, among all players. So that does it for the Atlanta Falcons season preview. Thanks, Falc fans. Thanks so much to Travis Seal for the outlet and the hard work he does. Follow him on Twitter at TCO14. Follow the website at truenorthffb.com and at truenorthffb on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at TNFFTyrell. And if you watch the Weekenders as a kid, later days.